From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with Leva Policy and Research Coordinator Carter Teal, I'm Mark Vail. Glad to have you with us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by the 1890 Initiative. Visit 1890nebraska.com where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. Carter, uh, you've uh, been before the legislature a couple of times this week doing a little testimony, and uh, Liba has. What uh, what was on their mind, and what did you have to talk about? Yeah, you know, the legislature is finally hit, heating up. We've uh, hit the runway, and so as of today, we're actually 27% done with this short session. So committee hearings started this week, and as of today, which is the 25th, I've testified on two separate bills, the first one being LB-993, which is relating to adopting the Apprenticeship Grant Act. Now, this is a bill that would give grants of $37,000 to businesses who would bring in apprentices who are either underemployed or unemployed um, to offset the costs of providing them wages and on-the-job training, classroom instruction, those sorts of things. Um, so, of course, that's great for development of uh, businesses and helping with uh, getting people who are underemployed, finding ways to support themselves. It goes to the workforce development and workforce retention issues that we've talked yes. so much about in the past. Yes, and that's something I made note of in the testimony was the fact that we're currently experiencing that brain drain, losing our workforce, and this is something that can help bring it up to speed. Um, there was one issue with the bill that we offered sort of an alternative direction, and that was it did include a provision that requires businesses to retain the apprentice and offer them full-time employment in that first for, for that first year after the, uh, the apprenticeship period. And so that can kind of create some issues with flexibility and hiring, especially with the smaller businesses. So what we suggested was instead of that, just offer a, a financial incentive to the businesses by compensating them for the amount of money they would have spent in payroll taxes on the apprentice for that first year of employment. So Sounds like a good compromise. And from what uh, I recall, uh, having watched and uh, we did a little reporting on the legislature, had some pretty good bipartisan support uh, throughout the uh, discussions. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there was anybody there who uh, was there to oppose it. So everybody seemed pretty optimistic about it passing. Then you also testified on workforce housing. That That's a little more complicated. It yeah. Seems like. Well, this is already for a current program and just sort of expands it. It's about the Middle Income Workforce Housing Investment Act. So under the current stipulations of this program, nonprofit developers of uh, middle-income housing can apply for grants of up to $5 million and have to match that grant of up to 50% of it. And you're, you're talking about developing in areas where there's rates of poverty, there's a need for additional housing, those sorts of things where the grants are offered in an as-needed basis. And so Senator Terrell McKinney um, has presented LB843, which is expanding that to grants of up to $10 million. 
and only requiring the applicant developer to match the grant by up to 25%. So it's a development-oriented, workforce-oriented expansion of this program. Well, of course, the legislature, as you mentioned, 27% done as we lay this uh, edition <laughs> of the Lincoln Business Beat done down. Uh, but they're, they've got a pretty intense schedule uh, over the next couple of weeks. Hearing schedule is just insane. Oh, yeah. To, this morning at the county board staff meeting, we were going over how the committee schedule is going to ramp up in the month of February. And every single day that there's a committee hearing, there's eight, nine different committees meeting. So it's it's going to be intense. Yeah, the one uh, thing that uh, I did recall from earlier in the session is they did put a uh, in the rules they are going to limit the number of bills going forward, the, the number of bills that any one senator can introduce going forward. Yes, and so from now on, that was really the only rule change that had significant opposition to it, um, but it did end up passing, and now senators are limited to introducing 20 bills per session. Committee Committees themselves, as an entity, can present a couple along with that, so there is some room. Uh, some wiggle room there, but senators themselves, 20 bills max. All right. Let's uh, switch horses here uh, and talk a little bit about city business. This We, uh, we talked about this uh, on a, another edition of the Lincoln Business Beat, and that was the parking requirements. Go back, I believe, to what, the late 40s, early 50s for uh, commercial <laughs> property? It so, was a while ago. Uh, not that we talked about it, but <laughs> when these <laughs> regulations were put into place. But some discussion uh, that got underway, oh, I think I first heard about it a year or so ago, but it's starting to come to fruition. And I think that was before the council and or the planning commission recently, and it's kind of moving through that process. Where are we at? Yeah, so it was approved by the planning commission, these proposed amendments. And just to bring you up to speed, if you're unaware, if you're a new member, Lincoln City ordinances that were established in the early 50s, I believe 1952, 1953, somewhere in there, they require businesses in the commercial zones of the city to have a minimum number of required parking lots. Okay, and so the intention of this, of course, was to make sure that the patrons of the businesses had enough access to parking. We didn't want the city congested. Um, however, a lot has changed since the early 50s, and you have a lot of online shopping for the retail industry. You have a lot of apps where you can get somebody to pick up your food and bring it to your house for the food industry. And so a lot has changed, especially just after COVID. Um, and because of that, you have now a lot of large commercial parking lots that on their best days can sometimes only get half capacity. So what this change is doing, city councilman Tom Beckius, he actually came in and spoke with us back in, I believe it was August. It was right before I started at LIBA. Um, and this was a proposal that he had in mind of doing away with a lot of those requirements. But then it kind of went dark for a couple of months, wasn't really hearing about it until the Journal Star back in December, ran an article about it, and that kind of spurred it along to now where um, we have the proposed language. 
the amendments to the city code. It's passed through the planning commission and it's going to be heard before the city council, I believe on February 5th. So we will be there to offer our support for it because it's a great step for a more development oriented Lincoln. Yeah, you take it for example, uh, the mall where you know, about the only time you see the parking lot full will be oh. uh, the holiday season. Yeah. And there's a lot of square footage out there that can be developed, uh, you know, either to retail or some other use. And so it really uh, brings things up to date with the reality of uh, what shopping is really like. I mean, just think of some of the large grocery stores that have huge lots, mm -hmm. but they probably have between 5 and 10% of their sales <laughs> are uh, online ordering where they just simply drive up, it's loaded in their vehicle, mm -hmm. and they're gone. So the, the need for those spaces has changed not just dramatically, by, but dynamically yep. due to the, the, the way business is being conducted. Yeah, and so now you can take that extra space from the parking lots and instead put it to good use with other additional commercial enterprises. And so... For the current city of Lincoln as it stands now, you can use more of the same space to make the, the commercial economy more dense. And then as we expand Lincoln outward, those changes apply in a more seamless fashion. So in the end, it just results in a quicker uh, more business-friendly environment for Lincoln. It frees up some some space, especially in the dense business areas mm -hmm. for, for development. And just for the record, businesses in the commercial districts, they can still uh, appeal the requirement for their commercial minimum parking requirement. However, that does take a little while because it has to go through the planning commission. It has to be approved by the city council. So this is something that's going to speed up the process. And one important note is that while it is removing com uh, commercial minimum parking requirements in a lot of the districts, it is keeping them in the, in the commercial districts that are typically found within close proximity to residential districts. Of course, the intention with that is you don't want people parking on the side of the road in residential areas to have access to businesses. You don't want that sort of congestion for the residents. So, Big news this week from LIBA as the new executive director uh, was named by the uh, board of directors. Yes, it is official. We have a new executive director, and it is just awesome to introduce Travis Filing. Travis takes over as executive director. He's got a background in business, politics, and community service. A very interesting story. He and his wife, Shannon, own Transformation Marketing, which is a marketing and real estate business, along with two other small businesses that are located in Lancaster County. He has an entrepreneurial spirit, spirit that is a testament to his commitment to the local business community. He features experience in the political arena as he is the village chairman and mayor of Panama, Nebraska. An interesting story about that. When he was introducing himself to me, talking about my wife and I, we live down in Panama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think I was the only one, but I learned something new that day. I was like, oh, this guy's a journeyman over here. Like, 
No, no. There is a Panama, That's, Nebraska. Uh, Panama, Lancaster County, Nebraska, to be uh, you know yeah, exact. Very, you know, nice very little, close. Nice little community. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to go there sometime soon. Um, but so he is very deeply invested and an active member of the local community, and we expect him to grow the organization with a service-oriented approach by discovering the needs of local business owners and delivering them results. And uh, Travis and uh, his wife are, are not strangers to Leva because they've been Leva members for a number of years for their various businesses. So mm-hmm. he knows a lot about it. Uh, I think he's joining us on, a, on a, one of these additions here in the near, near future, too. He, he's busy this way. This yeah, way. The, the reason he can't be here today is actually the reason why we're so optimistic about him bringing that positive change. He's working. Like right now, the past couple of days, just to put this in perspective, any time that I have not been helping him get his computer set up or get him access to something organization-related, he has been on the phone with members, with prospective members, visiting with all different sorts of people, trying to get feedback, answering questions. How can Liba better service you? How can we make Liba a more valuable experience for our members? How can we make being a Liba member make you receive more value? I really love his approach, and it's it's just it's it's uh, it's something that. Maybe we can have him on the show next week. I'm hopeful that he'll be able to give a grand introduction and discuss more of his background, and you all can hear from him yourselves. Okay, let's also uh, talk a little bit about uh, Liba's biggest function of the year. I believe it's what called the, the uh, Small Business Enterprise Celebration, <laughs> something like that, and uh, the Liba Auction. I'll be honest, Mark. I've heard it called three or four different things since I've been here. The convention, the auction, the free enterprise celebration. You can roll it all into one, but um, it will be held on April 11th at Pinnacle Bank Arena. This is our biggest fundraiser of the year, and it's a great opportunity for all LIBA members to get involved. There's a lot of fun things going on and a lot of opportunities to be had. So the next auction meeting will be on February 3rd in the LIBA downstairs meeting room at noon. So if you're interested in learning more about it, stop by, stop into the meeting and get involved. And the uh, event that happens right before this has always been an enjoyable one. I've been to it several times where the elected politicians and those that are <laughs> running or are going to be running for office, uh, we've got about an hour where you can meet, uh, greet, and chat, and find and kind of do your own deep dive with those people <laughs> that are serving the public interest. And uh, so that's always a good one too. And again, that's April 11th at PBA. I believe the event gets underway. What about? 4.30 uh, with the first opening events and then yes. the dinner and then and 5.30 is that meet and greet and then the 6.30 is full-blown auction. And I think it's great. It really captures the, the, the LIBA organization as a whole, expanding on all three fronts about the networking, the opportunity, and then, of course, the political involvement. So come by. February 3rd is our next meeting at noon at the LIBA Calvert location. Okay, our deep dive is coming up next. Might be better to say that this is a 30,000-foot view as we look <laughs> ahead 
maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years and some of the things that are going on in the legislature and how that could all affect businesses going forward. We'll do that in our deep dive next. Husker fans, you've probably heard about NIL, name, image, and likeness, and now you can have an immediate effect on the success of the program. The 1890 Initiative is Nebraska's premier NIL company, and with your help, we can maximize our student-athletes' opportunities with NIL and prepare them for life after college. Nebraska has always been a leader in college athletics. Let's do the same with NIL. To learn more, visit 1890nebraska.com, where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. That's 1890nebraska.com. Back in the Lincoln Business Beat, Carter Teal, Labor Policy and Research Coordinator, is uh, our co-host, I guess we'd call it today. Uh, one of the things that we try to do in a deep dive is is go a little further into a single topic or uh, area to discuss. And you put together um, kind of a forward-looking thing here on what business and the business landscape might look like 20 years from now or so. Part of that is, is seeing the LIBA uh, operation, the LIBA membership, but also dealing with the city, the county, uh, mm -hmm. the legislature. Some people say it's a 30,000-foot view, but I, th I think it <laughs> might better be called a microscopic view of the future. Yeah, looking forward to things. And so this is one of those late-night shower thoughts, if you want to call it. A couple of nights ago, I was at the uh, Home Builders Association annual election of officers uh, dinner. And I was speaking with a gentleman who was sitting next to me, him and his wife getting to know them, and they were talking about their uh, their jobs, and they were bankers, and they were, you know, they had five kids, all right, and they were talking about the 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 issues that it creates with having jobs, active parents, and child care. We have seen so many issues regarding child care coming up in the legislature recently. The general theme is that the workforce is being crippled and a big component of that is the inaccessibility of child care, the, the affordability of adequate child care. It's too expensive. And so what I, what I saw a few weeks ago with one of Governor Pillen's proposals it didn't come to fruition in the form of a legislative bill, but he did mention the idea of providing some sort of tax incentive or subsidy to businesses that would offer on-site child care services. Okay? So I just want to come from a very general view here. If we go back 50 years ago, or even back to like post-World War II in the 1950s, okay? The contemporary norm was that dad goes to work, mom stays home, raises the kid. That's just kind of how it was. Now, for the past 10, 15 years or so, the, the, the societal norm has been mom and dad go to work. If we look forward... <laughs> 20, 25 years, I guarantee that 
a majority of businesses are going to be offering on-site daycares, built-in child care services, and mom, dad, and the kids are all going to be going to work. They're going to the workplace. <laughs> yeah, they're all going to work. You know, go. The kids aren't working, but you know, they're all going to be, they're all going to be going to work. That's, you know, we've seen a, a few instances where these types of situations have, have really helped the workforce. And I can't, uh, it, you know, it, it was tragic when it happened, but you may recall the Oklahoma City bombing, the Mira building. Yeah. Uh, the federal government had a child care center in that building, and it allowed a lot of families to, uh, that were able to work because there was child care right there. Uh, some hospitals have started providing it as well, as I understand. Uh, when we lived in Kansas City many years ago, the hospital that my wife worked for did not have a child care center, but they had an ill child care oh, location. So okay. if your ch uh, kids were sick, there was a special <laughs> a small area where that you could bring them to work and they'd get the medical attention and be taken care of. So there's, there's going to be a lot of, of creativeness. And if you've got the government helping to uh, work this, whether it's subsidies mm -hmm. or tax credits or incentives or whatever, uh, I think you're right. This this could change the dynamics and, and change the, the, the physical model of, of a lot of businesses. I, I would agree. And to extend further on it, it could be a very large differentiating benefit that larger businesses who depending on the government involvement with this, who could more easily afford to offer that, it would directly affect the appeal for a lot of the workforce in working for a larger company, a larger employer, and it would have an adverse effect on smaller businesses who wouldn't have that flexibility within the budget. So somewhat in the way when the minimum wage increases Larger companies don't like it any more than smaller businesses, but they do have some benefit from it because when smaller businesses can't afford to pay those minimum wage employees and they have to reduce their staff and offer layoffs, then the, the job market becomes more competitive for the larger companies who can then bring those employees in. And so you would see the increased demand to work for the Amazons, the Googles, the Walmarts, and those sorts of things. Those large, large conglomerate enterprises, this might be a very, very big turning point that makes that difference between the benefits that are offered between larger and smaller companies even greater. And I could see in some of the larger cities, especially city cores, where you may have a large uh, commercial or uh, service-oriented buildings with a lot, you know, an office building. Mm -hmm. We've we've seen since the pandemic the uh, commercial real estate market has taken a hit, and there's a lot of square footage available. But I could see a childcare center being set up in a in a twenty thirty story building that could benefit multiple companies, oh, yeah. multiple businesses. Uh, and, and likewise, uh, there's also been a, a huge push on early childhood education. And if you could meld those two ideas into some sort of synergistic mm -hmm. project, there could be a huge, huge benefit to employers and employees. And it's such a comforting feeling as a parent. You know, you always you're dropping your kid off somewhere else. Uh, 
to be able to just bring them into the office, the seamlessness to that, or not the office, but the building that you work at, and to know that they're in the room just down the hall. So if there's an issue, you you yourself can be there. You don't have to get a phone call, drive across town. It would be so much more comfortable for parents to be able to have that option. In addition to that, I'm just saying the reason that I chose this as the deep dive for today is because I can't help but feel like somewhere down the line, I'll just be having a conversation with somebody about this. And they'll say, man, who would have ever thought that it would go from just the dad going to work to now all of the family goes to work. And I can just cite to this podcast. I can pull it up on my phone and say, nope, I called this back in 2024. This totally normal practice right now. I was on point with it. I was ahead of the curve. So that's why I'm doing this, <laughs> if I'm being totally honest. But it is an interesting thought. I think there's it's worth considering how it's going to affect the business landscape. Well, we'll have to make sure that uh, we get a lot of people to uh, share this podcast so that more and more people <laughs> hear it. So anything else uh, for the good of the cause on this edition of the Lincoln Business Beat? I think we've covered quite a bit. Yeah, just be looking out in your emails for certain LIBA materials. Can't say any specifics right now, but there may be some information in there regarding certain changes that may be coming. Um, one thing in particular that I know and that we've talked about before um, at our next luncheon in February, we are going to be holding a vote of the members to amend our political action committee's bylaws and to appoint, or not appoint, but elect several LIBA members to the board of directors. So just keep that in mind. That'll be a big one. But stay tuned. I think we have a lot of good things coming from the organization. And, of course, don't be surprised if something uh, big happens between uh, now and the next time we gather. You might get an urgent call to action from Carter or the LIBA office if we need to mobilize some of our good LIBA members to uh, either testify or let their uh, elected officials uh, know what they think about a certain issue. That's, uh, that's always a possibility when you're in the middle of a legislative session. Mm -hmm. And on that note, I would just say there has been some people who have reached out. I really appreciate it just hearing some of the feedback about the bills that we've been discussing in some of our committee meetings always feel free to reach out and express your thoughts. If you would like to testify on a certain issue, please let me know and I'll see if it's a possibility. But as always, please reach out. We're always willing to hear feedback from our members. Thank course, you. And uh, of course, it's real easy to uh, reach Carter. It's just carter at liba.org. That's carter at L-I-B-A. Dot org for Lincoln Independent Business Association. We'll do it again next week, okay? Sounds like a plan, Mark. Thank you, as always. This has been the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio. Reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LIBA Policy and Research Coordinator Carter Teal, I'm Mark Vail. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by the 1890 Initiative. Visit 1890nebraska.com, where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. Mm -hmm.